This is Joshua Scurfield, studio engineer and narrator support at Caliber Audio, with the summer 2021 edition of the Caliber Echo. With summer well on the way and the COVID vaccination program producing great results as more and more people receive their inoculations, the mood in the country and in our office is definitely better than it was even a few weeks ago. After many months of disruption to the way we work, things are beginning to get back to normal albeit not the normal we were used to in early 2020, as events that we might have attended in person are now online. This has inspired us to set up a mini literary festivals website, which James Beston will talk more about shortly. Other new initiatives covered in this edition are Meet the Narrator podcasts, the Play Calibre streaming service, and the Dolphin Easy Reader app, a free online will writing service and an online tribute page to remember loved ones. There's also news of our current fundraising appeal and this year's summer reading challenge, as well as an interview with author Elaine Everest, a book review, and a few words on the Memory Stick service. With so much on offer, let's get started with James Beston, full stack developer, and the Mini Festivals website. We are hugely excited about some fantastic literary festivals that we will be part of this year, connecting our members to some great events with popular and -and up-and-coming authors. To help bring these festivals to you, we have created a mini-festival website, which can be found at festivals.caliberaudio.org.uk. Earlier this month, we were thrilled to partner with the Hay Festival and have added many of their featured books to our collection for you to borrow. All the articles, information and links to catch up with author events is on the website for you to enjoy and will be joined later this summer by more from the Edinburgh International Book Festival. Now for an insight into the work of our wonderful volunteer narrators with Denise James, our editorial coordinator. Throughout this year, we will be featuring podcast interviews with some of our amazing Calibre narrators. The podcasts are posted onto our website once a month, along with an accompanying article and a pointer to the books they have narrated within our collection. So far, we've featured five narrators and it's been fascinating to hear their stories, from working in Warhorse in the West End, to singing with the BBC Symphony Chorus, writing questions for Mastermind, and touring the Far East with a theatre company, our narrators are hugely talented. So, if you want to meet the voices behind the books, make sure to take a listen. Emma Scott, Director of Editorial and Production, is in conversation with Elaine Everest, the best-selling author of The Woolworths Girls. So welcome, Elaine. Your first fiction book, um, which um, I hope I've got my facts right here, was Grace's War, which I think appeared in 2015, if I'm right. Um, And I actually just wondered if you could tell us about your journey into getting published. My journey goes back quite a way. 1997 I started writing and being published with short stories and articles 
I then led on to uh, three non-fiction books for dog owners, which How to Show Your Dog, A Beginner's Guide, Canine Cuisine, How to Cook for Your Dog. Um, it, it seems it was very big in China, I'm not sure why. Um, and the other one was um, How to Buy a Puppy and how to right. bring up your puppies and things like that. Um, they're in the libraries, they're still doing quite well. Um, I continued writing articles and short stories and having a go at novels. I've written some bad novels that should never see the light of day. Um, and I joined the Romantic Novelist Association New Writer Scheme. Um, Is that where Grace's War came from? Did that's that... where oh, Grace's okay. War came okay. from, yeah. yes. Um, I... Um, they offered me associate membership, which meant I could be a member because of all the journalism and the non-fiction. And I said, no, I want to go through the new writer scheme as a novelist because you get your book critiqued. And at the end of it, if you graduate when you're published, it means that I can stand up and be a contender for the Joan Hesseyan Award, um, which happens because a competition coming along a few years back now, there was the boom in e-books and every big publisher brought out an imprint for their ebooks, and one of the smaller publishers um, ran a competition. The prize was be to be published, um, and they gave an outline. They were shorter books, almost novella length, about fifty thousand ish, um, and they wanted either pure romance, modern romance, or historical. I'd always had this. I've read a lot of sagas, so I've always been interested in them, and I thought, well. I think I could write something. Grace's War popped into my head. It was set in Slay Green and Erith, where I come from. And um, for some reason, I managed to fit the day war broke out, September 39, right the way round to 1953, <laughs> all in 50,000 50, words. Um, some accomplishment. Um, and it wasn't out long, the e-book company folded so I got my rights back but in that short time Grace's War was taken as large print for the libraries right. and it's still out there in the libraries now. People keep saying to me because obviously the ebooks vanished from the online selling sites um, what are you going to do with it and one day I will publish that myself I will go into self-publishing and I will bring it out myself. But I kind of think I could make it a bit longer because it covered such a long time okay. period. I thought perhaps I could expand it a little bit. And some people that have read it said, no, leave it as it is, it's fine. But that's my project for when I'm not busy. <laughs> Which doesn't seem to be... Uh, anyway. <laughs> so your, your kind of next foray was um, with the really successful Woolworths Girls series. Yes. Um, and I was just wondering what made you choose the department store as, as the backdrop for your series. And also, what made you sort of start the story at the beginning of World War II? I think it's normally... At the time I wrote that, I was thinking of a standalone book. Oh. Because there wasn't a fashion even then, it's only a few years ago now, um, for series of books so much. We had Ellie Dean with her, her series, but very few other established authors did series. Um, and I thought I enjoyed writing that saga with Grace's War. I wasn't represented, but of course I'd graduated the new writers scheme so I was a full member of the RNA. By then I'd suddenly found myself on their committee as well so I was running their blog um, and I was dabbling and I thought I need to write another saga. Hey 
I'll set it in Erith again because I enjoyed the research. I know the area is where, where my family come from. So all I'd outlined at that point was Sarah. She comes up from Devon to live with her nan in 1938 and it's leading up to the war. And it was winter, leading up to Christmas of 38. And I thought to myself, well, she's going to live in my house. Because, it's, you know, it was built in 1901. We haven't lived there for 20 years. And luckily, the lady that lives there now is quite thrilled that she's got a novel set in our house, which was lucky. Yeah. But <laughs> she, um, I thought, well, Sarah. Sarah's living with her nan. Ruby came to mind. Right, OK. She lives just around the road from the old town. In my head, I walked back through. I went down Manor Road. I went past the Odeon. I, I walked along the high street and I kept thinking of all the little shops. I turned the corner into Pier Road. There was only two main roads at that time. There was a big department store that had grown over the years called Headley Mitchells. But of course, if she'd work there, for my way of thinking, if the book got picked up, a lot of people would think, I've never heard of that shop. And I kind of wanted a shop that people had heard of. Um, I had no idea that it would be published by a big publisher at that time. It was just me and my thinking. And as in my head I trotted up Pier Road, there was good old Woolies. And it was the Woolies that I knew. I'd shopped there as a child, you know, and bought things, and it had always been there. And it reminded me that I'd been a Saturday girl when I was 15 in a nearby town. I thought, yeah, I know the old design of the store. It's, you know, the mahogany counters and the light fittings and everything. I'll pick Woolworths. So I really just had Sarah come up from Devon, live with Nan Ruby, Alexander Road. She would meet some friends the first day she started work. Well, actually, it was when she went for her interview. And it would be Woolworths. I'd outlined that and forgotten, well, not forgotten about mm. it, but I just hadn't done anything. I was working on other projects. And I was contacted by Caroline Sheldon, literary agent who wanted to write something for the RNA blog. And I'm a very amateur blogger. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm still trying, at that stage, trying to work, how to put a photo on there, and things like that, you know. And all of a sudden, I have this email from a well-known literary agent. And I was, oh my goodness, you know, I could hardly read the email through excitement. I'd like to write this thing about how sagas are evergreen. People love sagas. And she represents some some good saga writers. And I went back, yes, yes. Well, of course, on your emails, you have your tag at the bottom, your name. And I'd got Grace's War, World War II saga underneath. And when she come back, she went, I've just looked at your book. Would, are you seeking representation? I wasn't going to say no, was I? I didn't exactly, I was Absolutely quite nonchalant not. about it and said, I would like to be represented, yes, come and see me. So we, I went up to Notting Hill, and it was one of those houses like Hugh Grant had in <laughs> yeah. Notting Hill. I didn't see him. And um, I met Caroline. I mean, that itself was quite funny because I sat in a squishy sofa and all I could think about was how do I stand up again and, and things, and uh, I wasn't taking a lot of notice of a talk about the publishing world. I thought, this is, this is not for me. You know, this is... This is beyond my dreams. This is another world. I'm just Elaine who writes books, you know. Um, and she offered me, she said, what have you brought me? And I said, 
well, I've got this outline. I've now learned that people normally take a whole book with them. That, you know, here's one I wrote earlier. I had a few notes on a page. And she looked at it, and I remember turning it over and looking at the back and saying, is there any more? Well, no, that's just the idea. She went, but I like it. She said, I, she signed me up there wow. and then. Well, she didn't actually sign it. She'd take it away and sign it and read it. I think I was reaching for the pen to sign. And she said, write me three chapters and send it back to me. And I promised that by the time you finish writing the book, I would have found you a contract. And she was true to her word, and she did. And that really is, you know, from then on, I've stayed with Pam McMillan so far, and they've been very good to me. Um, I'd say your books are actually a really great insight into the social history of the time, really. Um, and there's inter in instances in the books that evoked memories of stories from my own family mm. concerning, I remember tales of bread and dripping and um, a front room kept for best, yeah, um, yes. that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and that all really made me smile, to be honest. And it, I just wondered if you obviously drew from your own personal family memories and experiences when you were mentioning those. I, I did in some ways, and I think the, the gift of knowing Erith, apart from family and growing up there myself and listening to the stories, and probably absorbing lots of them and not realising that I'd absorbed so much, was that when we bought our house in 1972, the year we got married, we bought it in the July, we got married in the September, um, 13 Alexander Road, which is Ruby's house. and. When we moved in there with hardly anything, a few second-hand bits and pieces and a few wedding presents, which was mainly orange plastic washing up bowls. Orange oh, <laughs> was very in that year, Addis, I think the make was. And all the sort of you know, bits and pieces. And, and we sort of just made do and scrape by because we bought our own house for £7,000. That is amazing. Wow. You pay more than that for a car. Yeah, I was going to say, you, can, <laughs> you wouldn't get change out of that for a car. <laughs> it's scary, really. But I'd like a time machine and go back and buy a few properties, I think. But we had neighbours and people up the road, and it was the old-fashioned, our doors are open, they accepted youngsters, everybody was the same. And the funny thing was, I had people that said, I remember your dad, I knew your nan. And it turned out that one of my granddad's sisters lived at the top of the road. I never knew. So I heard all these stories. And even then, I wasn't writing. I wasn't thinking of writing. But I grew up absorbing all mm. this and meeting the characters. And it was a gift. And it was only, only recently I heard from a lady, and sadly we've, we've recently lost her, but she lived over the road and we... She used to go out with my dad when they were teenagers. You can't move anywhere without meeting people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she used to telephone me and she'd say, right, it's Stella. Now, so-and-so up the road said about this, and I don't know, I told her, Elaine's got it right in her book, and you haven't. And she'd have this running comp. She was like my agent for Erith, um, my PR machine. <laughs> and it was lovely that people are chatting about these things. I've even been told the lady that lives at number 13 now has had people pull up in a car to stop and look at the house. She looks like a blue plaque soon, will she? But they... As long as I can cut the ribbon, that's fine. I did say to my husband, perhaps we should buy the house back. I mean, it's close to South East London now, so it's very expensive. Right. Perhaps we should buy the house back and, you know, live it. Live, live. No. The parking's terrible. No. <laughs> Well, you went there, then went on to write about another very recognisable institution in your novel, The Butlins Girls. Mm -hmm. Now, it felt to me that there was a lot of research about Butlins included in this. Did you already know the history, or did you have to use other sources to find out what you, you um, wrote about? When I was probably about 
11 or 12, we started going to Warner's holiday camps. My mum was very keen. We'd moved on from guest houses at the seaside, Warner's holiday camp. And we had our two weeks there each summer. We moved around different camps. And at that time, the camps were very similar. The wooden chalets, the entertainments, yeah. the, the competitions, the knees, all that sort of thing, <laughs> the bingo. Um, and also, I had to double-check with the bingo calling because people of today, some youngsters have said to me, you've got the words wrong for certain numbers. No, I haven't. They've changed over time. I didn't know that. Really? Yes, very much oh. so. Um, so I had to check that as well. But you see, my mum used to go and play bingo because we had, I can remember... Again, probably eight, nine, ten year old, we suddenly had a community centre in Slade Green. All these things started happening. My mum was out all the time with the women's groups and the keep fit and bingo on a Tuesday evening. And so we used to pop round there and they used to give us little jobs, clearing up, washing up and things like that for some pocket money. It was lovely. And I think I learned the, the a lot of the, the lingo. And my dad was also social secretary for a football club, so he would do bingo as well. So things like that, I grew up with Warner's holiday camps, mm -hmm. the, the whole institution. I was a Warner's wagtail as a child. Right. So we went off on the children's things. But I found out that Billy Butlin also did it on a larger scale. And they all started about the same time. And I think the man that owned Warner's, Harry Warner, he might have had a title like Major or something mm. like that, but he worked with Billy Butlin on different projects, so they were doing very much the same thing, and I think if you go back, you'll find that people like Pontins started out in um. a very similar way, so whereas these days, I think you'll find that Warner's have gone over to like luxury hotels more, um, and Butlin's have gone in a different direction, and it's more... Well, it's very modern now, very modern holidays now, but my research was very much my memory. Plus, Billy Butlin was a fairgrounds person. He was a showman. My mum's family were showmen. Oh, They right. owned the fairground. I never knew it. Um, they owned the land, their land, until 1966 when my granddad died, and it the lease run. But his dad and his dad before him, and brothers and cousins were part of Martin's Fair in Belvedere, in Kent. So my mum told me the stories mm. of the fairgrounds, and they had links to Billy Butlin. Fantastic. Yeah. So, which so I like, it was a close community, yeah. and it was a very honourable community. And the more I looked into it, they were as much as um, true gypsies, true Romany gypsies, have their own church and their own beliefs and their, their own way of life. And you found that the show people did as well. Um, and I found that going to some, even you get like steam fairs and special yeah. events. And we'd visited a couple at one time. And I've, I've got a couple of very rough photographs of my great-grandfather with the fairground organ that used to play the Walsh of the Flowers and sort of very, very lovely melodies. And I took them to talk to one of the old fairground families. And they remembered and they were talking, and they were so full of it, and they were calling cousins in to listen and talk about it. Could have stayed there for hours. Mm -hmm. Just, it's a different life completely. So I kind of pulled that in, and 
and again, it's me and it's, it's nostalgia and it's memories. And I fear one day I'm going to run out of things from my life to write books about. It was almost destined for you to go that way, though, wasn't it? That yes. was, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, Elaine, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for talking to us today. It was a really interesting and insightful talk into your books and your writing, actually. Um, and I hope this really encourages any of our members that haven't discovered you yet to, to pick up a, a book and, uh, and read it. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for speaking to us today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting for those of you who receive books on cd here's natalie moore library and membership services manager outlining the benefits of using memory sticks if you are one of our cd members have you considered trying memory sticks instead Delivered in the same way, free of charge to your door, Memory Sticks have all the benefits of listening on CD, but with more flexibility. You can put the stick straight into your computer or laptop and listen through its speakers, or buy a Memory Stick player that you can keep by your bed or chair, or carry around the house and garden with you. Many Memory Stick players are designed for people with vision impairments, and can be very easily operated independently with little or no sight. Plus, they allow you to take your books with you wherever you want to go. You can purchase the player from Calibre or from other online retailers. If you have any questions about trying out books on Memory Stick or would like to request one, please call our membership services team on 01296 432 339 or drop us an email at inquiries at calibre.org.uk Moving on to our newest means of delivering audiobooks to members, Emma Scott talks about Play Calibre streaming service and the Dolphin Easy Reader app for smartphones and tablets. Just before Christmas, we released the much-anticipated Play Calibre streaming service making it even easier to enjoy the collection of great audiobooks available on our website. Also, our titles became available on the Dolphin Easy Reader app for smartphone and tablet users to take full advantage of the audiobooks on offer. Here we discuss some of the benefits of these platforms and why we're so excited for you to try them out. With Play Calibre, browsing to discover your next listen is very easy. With a frequently updated display of new titles, you can be one of the first to listen to the most popular new releases, or our search bar allows you to browse our extensive audio catalogue of over 12,500 books, covering 60 categories easily and intuitively. With one click, you can decide whether this is the book for you by either playing a sample or reading the synopsis and other useful information to aid your decision. Have you ever listened to an audiobook and discovered a new favourite author? Or have you been captivated by the soothing voice of a particular narrator? If so, our search tool will enable you to find the rest of that author's available works and all performances of that narrator. What's more, you can personalise your play calibre and create your own reading list by saving titles to listen to later. This means you will never run out of things to listen to and all your selections are saved to your account. Dolphin Easy Reader similarly offers seamless access to our audiobooks, with many of the same features including effective search facilities, the ability to save books for later, and useful information on the title. 
However, the app additionally allows you to download books to your smartphone or tablet so you can listen when you have no internet connection. Also, as the app is saved to your device, your audiobooks are only ever a tap away. The Dolphin Easy Reader app is available from both the App Store and the Google Play Store. We've teamed up with Dolphin to offer some online webinars on how to use the Dolphin Easy Reader, with the next two being on the 12th of July at 4pm and 6th of August at 10am. The links to register and join these sessions can be found on our website, caliberaudio.org.uk, in news articles, which is under the News, Books and Podcasts heading, or else type Dolphin Webinars in the search box at the top of the screen. Both services have been tested extensively with screen readers to make sure all these features work effectively for all members, as accessibility is our top priority. We also have a How to Listen page featuring quick guides and frequently asked questions for easy to understand tips on how to make the most of the service. We hope you're eager to get started with the new listing options and have all the tools you need for instant access to thousands of books wherever you are. To find out more about streaming and downloads, then visit our website, caliberaudio.org.uk and click on Our Services, then How to Listen. Or call our membership services team on 01296 432 339 or email us at uk. Here's Emma again, this time with news of this year's Summer Reading Challenge. To keep us all reading over the summer, this year we're working in association with the Reading Agency to launch our Summer of Reading Challenge. Simply pledge to read one book of your choice per week for 12 weeks and then send us a review of the best book you read. Reviews can either be emailed or left as a voicemail on our dedicated phone line and at the end of the challenge, one entrant will be selected at random to win a £50 voucher. To enter, sign up online at caliberaudio.org.uk forward slash information forward slash summer hyphen challenge or call membership services on 01296 432 We are delighted to be able to bring you some news about a free online world service that is available to all Calibre members and their families who are over the age of 18. Terry Squire from the fundraising team tells us more. We are delighted to be able to bring you some news about a free online wheel service that is available to all Calibre members and their families who are over the age of 18. At Calibre, we understand how important it is to have an up-to-date will. We all want to ensure that our loved ones know what our wishes are when we die and that the people and organisations we care about the most are taken care of. Many people are put off writing their will for various reasons, from being unsure of what to do, or not wanting to take time off to visit a solicitor, or perhaps not being able to afford the cost. But the most important thing is to ensure that your will is drawn up by a legal professional so that you know that your wishes will be followed. With this in mind, Calibre is pleased to be able to offer our members and their families the opportunity to write their will online, free of charge, 
through a company called Bequeath. Their Will for Goods service enables you to write your will in three simple steps. First, you complete their online questionnaire. Once the questionnaire is completed, Bequeaths will then arrange for you to have a 30-minute appointment with a legal firm which can be held either on the phone, by video call, in the office of the legal firm or they can visit you in your own home. You choose which option suits you best. The firm will discuss your situation with you and confirm that your wishes and needs are fully catered for in the will. Upon completion, the legal firm sends you the will for you to sign and have witnessed, which you can then return to them for secure storage, free of charge if you wish. There is no obligation to leave Calibre a gift in your will, but if you choose to do so, you will be helping to improve the lives of future generations of print disabled people by ensuring that they are able to enjoy the pleasure of losing themselves in a good book. Over 30% of the cost of running our free service each year is funded by Gifts in Wheels. To find out more about this service, please visit our Gifts in Wheels page on our website or contact Terry Squire on 01296 380558 or at terry.squire@caliber.org.uk. Here's more news from Terry. In March, we launched a service where members can set up a free online tribute page to honour the memory of someone they have lost. This service is run by a charity called Much Loved. Creating an online tribute page is a perfect way to share the special memories of your loved one with family and friends. It can also be used to let people know about funeral arrangements and any important details about the service, and others who visit the page will also be able to share their thoughts, photos, videos and music too, making this a truly individual and meaningful way to celebrate someone's life. The page remains a permanent memorial that is there for you to use as you wish. Should you choose to do so, it can also be used to raise money for Calibre Audio. For more details on this and other ways you can donate in memory of a loved one, please contact Terry Squire on 01296 380558 or at terry.squire at calibre.org.uk who will be happy to help you create a memorial that's special and meaningful to you. Now for a book review from Emma. Hello. Now I probably should start by confessing that I'm a big fan of Kieran Millwood Hargrave children's books and this one didn't disappoint either. So much so that I put off doing the ironing to finish it. This is another magical tale filled with folklore and fantasy that the author is just simply master at. In this story we meet Sophia on the day of her 12th birthday where her mother had promised that things would return to normal after a visit from a stranger the year before. Sophia's mother is a bone builder and a bone binder, making beautiful items from bone along with more practical things, including the house they live in. On the morning of her birthday, Sophia's mother gifts her a locket 
made from bone and instructs her to keep it safe before going out on a final errand so that things can return to normal. But Sophia takes her brother Ermin and follows her mother, and that's where the adventure begins. Aided by their crow Corvith, they seek to uncover the mystery of what their mother had been commissioned to do, and in doing so meet with danger and deception along the way. I'm of the opinion that no matter what age you are, you can still enjoy a children's story, and this book proves my point. It's a well-told, absorbing tale which transports you to another place, which every good book should do, and leaves you fully satisfied at the end. The book is set in Siena, Italy, and some of the action takes place around a real event called the Paleo, which is an annual horse race where 10 horses and riders represent 10 of the 17 city wards. Again, as the characters find themselves at the centre of the paleo, the description of this event is such that you can basically conjure up a vivid picture of it all in your imagination. For me, Kieran is one of the newest leading talents writing for children at the moment, because quite simply she's a storyteller and knows how to weave a tale that draws you in, and it stays with you long after you've turned the last page. But don't take my word for it, listen for yourself as this book and her other titles for children are available to borrow from Calibre Audio. Finally, an update on our latest fundraising appeal. Hi, this is Neela from the fundraising team at Calibre. Huge gratitude to you if you donated to our current fundraising appeal. Thanks to our wonderful supporters, we've raised an incredible £74,000, which is over halfway towards our target of £140,000. As a national charity that receives no government funding, we rely on our donors and supporters to raise the £1.5 million needed to run our free service each year. If you would like to know more about the appeal or would like to donate, please call 01296 432-339 or visit our website at www.caliberaudio.org.uk forward slash appeal. As we come to the end of this edition of the Caliber Echo, just a reminder that for your ears only, our quarterly bulletin listing new book titles is no longer available in print format. But don't fear, you can receive it in audio on USB memory stick or as a Word document via email. You can also listen to it through our website caliberaudio.org.uk or as a Caliber podcast. If you want to change the way you receive for your ears only, or indeed would like to start receiving it, then please contact Membership Services on 01296 432 or email membershipservices at calibre.org.uk. Thank you for listening, and if you have any comments on the items featured, please contact Emma Scott at Calibre on 01296 432 or email emma.scott at calibre.org.uk. Goodbye for now from all of us here, and could I remind you to return this recording to Calibre for other members to borrow. The Calibre Echo was recorded and edited by Kieran Potter. The music was provided with kind permission from Josh Woodward. You can find more of his work on his website, 
www.joshwoodwood.com. 